You're listening to Love Undressed, the podcast stripping back your dating and relationships using psychological hacks and advice brought to you by The Loveness. This is how you do it. As please. Welcome back to another episode of Love Undressed. I am going to be stripping down a dirty side of dating this week, which is the breakup process, which, trust me, I know is never going to be an easy thing to go through, but here's a little disclaimer for you all. No matter your age, they never really seem to get much easier. Um, Sorry about that. However, what may make this seem like a slightly easier pill to swallow is the fact that during a breakup, you're literally going through a neurological change. So maybe ease up on yourself a little bit. Your brain is trying to recover as fast as it can and that time period is different for everyone. I know what you're probably going to be asking. How can I help you through something that literally feels like the end of the world has walked into the room and punched you square in the face? Well, by adding a little bit of logic back into a situation where your heart is currently running the show, I'm going to delve into some... I suppose logical versus emotional thinking and how our brains will actively try and kick us into thinking that we miss someone who we knew we deserved better from or deserved more from. We logically know that we would be better off without but eventually we're going to figure that out and I'm going to I suppose give some little brain hacks into helping you along the process of figuring that out. There's a biological anthropologist called Helen Fisher who was someone that I studied during my psychology degree and she actually looked at how areas of the brain lit up during a breakup process. So to put her, I suppose, research and studies into some sort of easy to digest information, what it really showed was that our brains are hypersensitive to loss and let's be honest, breakups are a massive fucking loss. We're left mourning the departure of a person who we love as well as your imagined future. So you're not left just looking at the loss of a person, you're looking at the loss of how you envisage your future to be going. You kind of end up grieving what could have been and all the potential the two of you had. However, and here is the upside, us humans are a lot more resilient than we think. And a study has been done where a group of people was studied post-breakup And actually 41% of them found it as a positive thing. So maybe the whole experience, maybe, just maybe, isn't as awful as we imagine it to be or predetermine it to be. We can look at romantic love almost as, I suppose, a hormone cocktail, which doesn't sound very sexy, but you've got oxytocin, which is your love hormone. You've got dopamine, which is your pleasure hormone. And you've got happiness in the form of serotonin. So your happiness hormones and your romantic love releases a flood of these feel-good brain chemicals. Now when we go through a breakup, our brains have lost their regular supply of these neurotransmitters because the person who was, I suppose, the root cause or supply of them has gone. They've left and now we're going through a withdrawal process in exactly the same way a drug addict feels when they're coming off of drugs. So our brain signaling is working in the same way as an actual drug addict. Now I mentioned before an anthropologist called Helen Fisher. The studies that she done, so her team had found that the region of the brain called the nucleus accumbens lights up when we see a picture of someone that we love 
And crazily, this is exactly the same part that gets activated when a drug addict thinks about getting a hit, which is insane. Like to me, that's insane. Love is actually a drug. So when whenever like I suppose anyone reads these quotes going, oh, love is just a drug, da, 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 da. No, it, no, genuinely, your brain is convinced that it is. So no wonder even scientists describe a breakup as, I guess, as often as one of the most distressing events an individual can experience. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's easy, but I am going to tell you that it gets easier, especially during a withdrawal phase. So when you've gone from seeing someone's name pop up on your phone every day to now never speaking to them, our brains become desperate to replace these lost feel-good chemicals by any means necessary. Which is why some people, when they break up with someone or when they're going through a breakup, tend to take up a new hobby that is quite adrenaline producing or we go off and have one night stands because it's the quickest fix to getting those feel good hormones back up and running. But here's the secret, how we choose to replace these feel good chemicals can determine whether we achieve a healthy breakup or a prolonged period of misery. For example, in my opinion, social media is the literal devil when it comes to breakups or helping us go through breakups because our stupid oxytocin-starved brains will use it to absorb the last remnants of our lost loves. It's bad news. Like, I cannot stress this enough because it prolongs the connection that we know we have to ultimately let die. So here's my advice. Block them, delete their number, and I will wait while you delete the backup place that you've got their number saved as well. We all know we do it. I've done it before. I literally think saved one of my ex's numbers in my notes app. (laughs) One of my friends, this was a good few years ago, was going, you have to delete his number. And I went, yeah, yeah, I have. She was like, okay, show me. Showed her my contact list and obviously he was gone, but I definitely saved his number in my notes app. (laughs) Oops. So here's a little secret I'll let you all in on. After my most recent breakup, I actually took myself to therapy because I genuinely convinced myself that the way in which I handled things post-breakup wasn't normal. Now, the word normal in itself is an issue because honestly, what the fuck is normal? Like, what actually is normal? Normal doesn't exist. Normal doesn't look the same thing to every single person in the world. So whatever I was trying to go through, I I don't even know what that is. So despite the fact that I don't even know what a normal reaction is to having your heart stomped on, back then, my little broken heart took over my normally very logical brain and was like, nope, what you're doing isn't normal. Let's go get some help. And obviously I've spoken so, so openly on this podcast before about therapy and how I'm such a big advocate of it and that I think it's good for everyone, not just as a, I suppose, solution to feeling like shit, but as a type of upkeep to make sure that you don't lose your shit. But in this situation for me, what drove me to go and get therapy was the fact that my logical and emotional sides were battling each other and I know that when I spoke to my therapist about how I felt and what I was going through she said that a part of the problem is that where I'm 
a very logical human being and I'm used to looking at situations in a very logical way so I have to find a reason for everything to be happening when it comes to breakups or being broken up with there is no logic in that because you can't be a mind reader as much as you know I could hear someone's excuse for breaking up with me I'm still not inside their head and I couldn't wrap myself around that I couldn't come to terms with why things were happening in the way that what they were and I was dying to find the logic in it but I just couldn't but to be honest the therapy it helped not with the heartbreak if I'm honest because I don't think anything could help with that that was actually something that I really needed to I suppose put some time in and find out by myself but it did help me to prepare for what my reactions may look like in the future like I'll be brutally honest finding out that I had abandonment issues came I think partly as a shock because I'm so so fiercely independent I moved to the other side of the world with no issues leaving my friends and family behind but here's the thing that was my decision it was fully in my control and as especially Dom will be able to tell you when I feel like I've lost control I'm triggered when I don't feel like I've got control over what's going on around me I literally crumble that is the way in which my abandonment issues get I guess kicked off yeah surface that's the right word because yeah I'm independent yes I'm very strong-headed I have no problem in walking away from people that I know I should walk away from my problem is is when people walk away from me and I'm not ready to let them do that. Even if some weird little part of me deep, deep down knows it's the right thing to happen. I am... Breakthrough. Um, <laughs> it is a breakthrough. And look, it, again, it doesn't happen overnight. So there's a song, I think it's by J.P. Sachs. I actually can't remember the name of it, but I know that there's a line in it that goes, if you're going to break my heart, do it right. And I don't know what that means. Is there a right way or wrong way to break someone's heart? You don't know what's going to break them. That's not on you. No. But also, you know, some people will take the I'm being nice approach to a breakup. And I don't think you can do that. I actually think if you're going to try and... Honesty is the best policy. Because otherwise, you can rack your brain for months on end afterwards going, well, that's not what I was expecting. Like, what? where did that come from? Like, what? what's the problem? But again, and this boils down to something that me and you harp on about a lot, communication. My most recent breakup fucking literally popped out of nowhere for me because everything was going so well. And I think that was due to a communication breakdown. But also, I think I would much rather I'm breaking up with you because there's someone else. Or I'm breaking up with you because I don't love you anymore. Or because it would be easier for me to digest. Someone sat in front of me going, I don't know, does not help me. Someone leaving the door open a crack does not help me. I know that everyone goes, oh, you know, once someone breaks up with you, you just close the door, you walk on and move on and whatever. But if you're not the one that's being the one that's breaking up with the person and that person is leaving the door ajar for you, it's fully in your right to shut that door and lock it. They don't have a right to keep it open a crack. That's not down to them and that's fucking selfish. Breakthrough number two. <laughs> Do you know what I've realised quite recently is that most people think the worst thing is falling in love with someone who doesn't love you back because I've heard that time and time again from people I know I or I think a lot of people have been there where you, you can literally feel that you are more in love with that person than they are with you. 
But I, I think I found something that's worse. That's falling in love with someone who doesn't know how to love you back. And I, I think that's worse because someone who doesn't know how to love you back, you're basically falling for someone who you know believes with everything inside of them that you're the one that they should be with, but they don't know how to hold on to you or give you what you need. So you end up sat in front of like a grown man crying in front of you because it's hurting him and that he can feel himself slipping away from you, losing the person that deep down he knows he loves, but he doesn't think of it as love. But still that person will keep making mistake after mistake, pushing you away because they don't know how to love themselves. But to be honest, in the end, you feel so much more sorry for them because they're so broken themselves. And I think that's a worse level of heartache than just going this person doesn't love me you're because you're looking at them and going they don't know how to do that they don't know how to love another person properly or securely or in a safe form of a relationship like they literally just don't know how to do that that comes from that upbringing yeah and We've spoken about that on this podcast. You know, we've talked about how your upbringing and how your parents have created a safe space for you or haven't created a safe space for you, what you're going to be looking for in future relationships because of that situation that you've come from. And that sucks. And I think for anyone who's going through a breakup or who's recently gone through one, the biggest thing that I think you need to learn is that like you're not broken if you take time to heal and learn from your breakups. If you just go from relationship to relationship and never learning and never developing as a human being, that's when you're going to end up going into a period where you feel like you're broken because you're not learning anything. You're not growing. You're just going, ah, that didn't work, probably through no fault of my own. But actually, sometimes you have to accept the fact that you're the stupid shit one. That's just it. So here is what I think is the most annoying part about a breakup. And that is when you go through, well, when your brain goes through a stage of confirmation bias. So your brain will literally on purpose seek out memories to conform to your thought process. So in the example of dating and breakups, if your thought process is focused around how much you miss someone, your brain will go in and look for information that supports rather than rejects your preconceived ideas. So typically, your brain will evaluate your memories to look for evidence which conforms to your existing belief in this case that you miss that person because they were so amazing or they were so great or they were the love of your life, etc, etc. You've literally got a highlights reel going on inside your head telling you why this person is great. Your brain will at the same time, like, it will literally reject or ignore any conflicting information that you might store that works against this. So even if they've done some crappy things at points that haven't been so great, your brain just forgets it. Like it's not a big deal. It's almost like childbirth. You forget the bad part of the experience because the good bits made you feel so good. This is one of the reasons people sometimes go back to people who aren't necessarily very good for them. Oh, and that reminds me. So a week or so ago, I uploaded some new content on my social media account around why people who claim they can't stop sleeping with their toxic exes because they're so good in bed. So I kind of stepped in to be like, um, no, I don't think this is true. I don't think it's because they've got mad skills in bed. So I'm going to debunk this one for you. So I thought I'll share this info on the podcast because people really liked hearing this and I think it helped. So here it is. 
The sex you were having with that toxic ex was not amazing because of their skills. It was amazing because this was the one and only time you felt as though your needs were being met. (laughs) So typically in the dynamic of a toxic relationship, you have one person who's being toyed with and the other one who's being kept at arm's length. Feeling like anything that they ask from for their partner is too much. That's the one that's being kept at arm's length. The other one is basically just a dick. And this could be male or female. It doesn't just have to be the guys that are being dicks. The person who tends to be the one that's toxic can't normally give any physical or emotional support to their partner and doesn't even try to make them feel worthy of a supported relationship. I'm assuming I'm speaking to the person who keeps going back to their ex at this point. (laughs) And I'll ask you this question. Was your sex drive actually ridiculously high with that one person? Or were you consciously wanting to go back to the one and only place you felt truly seen by this toxic partner of yours? Which obviously in this case was the bedroom. Here's the thing, we emotionally bond with our partner. So we get kicks of serotonin and oxytocin from them, which are our feel good hormones. And if you're feeling deprived of those 90% of the time, it means that when you do feel like your needs are being met, these feel-good hormones are going to peak at this rare display of emotional closeness. You're going to keep wanting to go back to where you're experiencing this euphoric sense of happiness, which is during sex. So I'll ask you again, were they that good in bed? Or when you were having sex, was this the only time you felt like you were emotionally connecting with them and that your needs were being met? Because I feel like I know the answer. Sorry, guys. I suppose anyone who's listening to this podcast episode has one ultimate question, which is how can you heal from a breakup and how can you do it in as quick a time frame as physically possible? And I hate to say this, but there is literally no magical wand for me to say, this is how you do it. As please. <laughs> Look, as cliche as it sounds, time is the biggest healer and fuck, I hate that, like, that phrase. God, I really hate it. I've heard that a lot recently. I have heard that a lot recently. (laughs) People keep saying it to me, like, I know Dom has said it to me over and over and over again, and I'm like... Shut the fuck up, you bitch. I'm like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. But even if I look back on the period of me now versus three months ago, very different people, very different people. When I initially went through my breakup, I literally, I literally, (laughs) I I couldn't be like separated from anyone. I, I, I like, I don't know what happens to me during this period, but it's, it's such a withdrawal process for me. And I've been used to having, although my ex-boyfriend wasn't actually there to be honest with you like knowing that he was in the background was very comforting so when he had gotten and now I was like okay he's not there at all I felt very very isolated which again and I sit here now and I'm like that's so silly because I was it was literally like a part-time relationship so he wasn't there 90% of the fucking time anyway but I still missed his presence in my life and I think that was the main thing and I have no bad blood against him at all I think the biggest thing that I've learned from this most recent experience is that I need to be with someone who's a lot more emotionally tuned in you know which not a lot of people are and that's okay but me being so logical and so like I have such an in-depth need to understand people and wanting to know everything about people 
I need to be with someone who's open and who who isn't so scared of being hurt that they don't want to open up at all. And the thing is, is it's even more difficult for you because you're so aware of all these things and you know about all these things, yeah. being, you know, doing what you do. So it's extra hard for you because you're trying not to let these, you know, this analytical side of you come in and actually just live in the moment and experience it. But you're also so aware of what you need and what you want that sometimes you just... It's, you can't get it, like... Yeah, and look, I can hold my hands up and say that I played a part in what happened because I wasn't as open as I should have been communicating my wants and needs, but there was a reason for that. And again, like, not through any... No, fuck it, actually. Yeah, through a fault of his own because he left me once and that scared me so much that when we went back into it the second time, I was terrified of being left. And I think this whole, I guess, stance that people say of, like, oh, you know, if you let them go and they come back, it was meant to be. No, it fucking wasn't. If you let them go and they come back, it's because no other fucker wanted them. So let go of them again, seriously. Because if no one else wanted them either, why would you want to pick up your own trash again? Absolutely fucking not. If they left, they left. Like I said earlier, lock the fucking door. Done. Anyway, (laughs) the whole time is a big healer thing obviously is a part of this, but... You need to find new ways of boosting your feel-good hormones because, you know, your main your main supply of them has now exited your life or you've exited their life, whatever way around. You've got to fill your time with new hobbies. You can get your happy hormones from doing things like spending time with your friends and your family, exercising, going for early morning runs, playing sport, etc, etc. There are literally so many other ways of doing it that aren't your ex. Here's my post breakup guide and advice for you if you want it laid out. You'll have to change some elements of your life to avoid backsliding. For example, phone backgrounds. I know that I took a while to change mine and I'm going to assume that anyone who's just gone through a breakup, if you pick up your phone right now, your background is of that person. Change it. Change it to a glamorous shot of you and your friends or of your pet who loves you more than anything in the world. Just change it. Maybe you guys were halfway through a TV series together or you watched your favourite show with them. Recruit a friend to watch it with you. I know the most challenging part of a breakup that I found with modern day technology is the whole, you know, now all of a sudden you can't text them when something exciting happens or something that you've seen has made you think of them. According to one of my favourite psychologists, Charles Duhigg, one of the most powerful ways to break a habit is to replace it with a new one. Because after all, all of us are really just creatures of habit. One of the best bits of advice I've given to people is to write down what I would consider to be a text emergency list. So if you think of all of the specific moments that you might go through in a day or in a week where you think you'd want to text your ex, or like if you were still together, you'd be texting them. Think of an alternative person that you can reach out to instead so for example if you've seen a dog that you think is cute or if you're trying out a new place for lunch or you've just got a promotion all of these possible scenarios write down on a list and then write a different person's name next to each one because you'll have these people you had friends before you'll have friends after so our brains actually adapt easier to irreversible decisions the thing is once we commit to something our brain will actually start the magical process of rationalization and it's gonna convince you that you've made the right choice if the decision that you've made is irreversible. So in other words, although we kind of crave reversible decisions in relation to this episode, it would be leaving the door ajar on an old relationship. So we crave a decision that is reversible, but 
irreversible ones end up making us happier in the long run because our brains will kind of rationalize them a lot quicker and help us move on a lot faster. Keeping your ex in the background when you guys break up convinces your mind that it is a changeable decision, which means that subconsciously you're not doing the healing process properly. But in order to move on, you need to change that into an unchangeable move. So do yourself a favor and shut the fucking door on them. Even if you're not the one that ended things and you're not the one that's keeping the door open, it is still fully in your control to be the one to shut it, padlock it and move on. You're no one's backup plan. This has been a very, I think, insightful episode and I want to start wrapping things up. Look, we can't just wave a magic wand and get rid of the pain of a breakup, but we can use our brains to our advantage when we're trying to rationalize it. Here's, I guess, a little bit of advice for you, who any of you who are listening who are going through this. Spend 15 to 30 minutes each day thinking about ways in which your breakup is positive for you, either right now or how you know it will be in the future. If you focus on the negatives of the relationship and you write all of those down too, the more food you're giving to your brain like this, the more it's going to retain that kind of information about why it's good that you guys broke up and why being with them was such a negative experience. It's not going to happen overnight, but doing these kind of exercises, it's like brain training and you'll get there. Although sometimes, obviously, our brains can be our worst enemy because it keeps us up at night and makes us miss someone and all of that stuff. We can train it to be our best friend and we can train it to help us and I'm all for that. This is literally your time for rediscovery and some self-evaluation, which I am all here for because I love that kind of stuff. If you can't learn from a relationship, then there was literally no point in having it. You can right now redefine yourself and find new hobbies and find new interests. You can't walk away from a relationship and expect to be the same person going into a new one or expect to be the same person by yourself. You're new. Go and develop before you fall into the next relationship that you're in. This is time to reshape your puzzle of your life. As painful as a separation can be, the likelihood is is that it's going to have benefited you in some way. And you probably won't see it right now, but trust me, you will see it reflected in your future. Someone who truly, truly cares for you will not leave you feeling confused or like you deserve more or you deserve better. A healthy relationship does not come with shreds of confusion and uncertainty. That's just not it. I can't reiterate this enough. You will heal and you will love again even if you feel like it's impossible. Your heart is so much more resilient than what you give it credit for. So fuck it. Honestly, don't allow someone to come back into your life just because you have history together. If your relationship ended in chaos, let those fucking memories go. Stop going back to what your heart is trying to heal from. And on that note, as always... This podcast episode has been brought to you on behalf of The Love List. Peace out.